Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. Coming up on this week's Pixel Podcast, Facebook builds AI that builds AI. Instant beer for hikers. Battlefield has been leaked. Foam don't cause brain cancer study confirms. And COD Infinite Warfare Savaged on YouTube. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Pixel Podcast. I'm your host this week, Ben, and I am joined by my co-host, yet again, Martin. Hello, Ben. Nice to be back. You said that very reluctantly. Thanks. It's fine. Anyway, preparing for verses later on. So... Before we dive into this week's Pixel Podcast, don't forget that you can check us out in all the usual places. That is the podcast app or iTunes for Apple devices, the Stitcher app for Android, and of course, all the information and a link to listen to the podcast on your web browser is on abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. The worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. So before we dive into this week's Pixel Podcast, I reminded you last week, of course, of our charity stream that's happening on the 14th of May. That's still going ahead. You can check out all the information regarding the stream on bit.ly forward slash BLF24HR2016. And we definitely urge you do. We're raising great amounts of money for the British Lung Foundation and for Cancer Research UK, uh, charities that are both important to myself and Martin, uh, who will be taking part in the live stream. We're also doing a live version of the podcast during the 24 hours so definitely don't miss it like I said you can read more information including our schedule to find out when the Pixel Podcast will be on the 24 hour stream on bit.ly forward slash BLF 24 HR 2016 so with that let's dive into this week's topic shall we Now, first topic is all to do with Facebook and AI. A few weeks ago, Facebook announced that they're going to bring interactive AI into Facebook Messenger. But building AI is hard. So Facebook is building AI that builds AI. Let me explain. Deep neural networks are remaking the internet, able to learn every human tasks by analyzing vast amounts of digital data. These artificially intelligent systems are injecting online services with a power that just wasn't viable in past years. They're identifying faces in photos and recognizing commands spoken into smartphones and translating conversations from one language to another. They're even helping Google choose its search results. All this we know, but what's less discussed is how the giants of the internet go about building these rather remarkable engines of AI. Part of it is that companies like Google and Facebook pay top dollar for some really smart people. Only a few hundred souls on earth have the talent and training needed to really push the state of the art forward. And paying for these top minds is like paying for an NFL quarterback. That's a bottleneck in these continued progress of artificial intelligence. And it's not the only one. Even the top researchers can't build these services without trial and error and enormous scale. To build a deep neural network that cracks the next big AI problem, researchers must first try countless options that don't work, running each one across dozens and potentially hundreds of machines. A quote here says, It's almost like being the coach rather than the player. That's Demis Hassabis, a co-founder of DeepMind, the Google outfit behind the history-making AI that beat the world's best Go player. You're coaxing these players rather than directly telling them what to do. That's why many of these companies are now trying to automate this trial and error, or at least part of it. 
If you automate some of the heavy lifting, the thinking goes, you can more rapidly push the latest machines learning into the hands of rank and file engineers, and you can have the top minds more time to focus on bigger ideas and tougher problems. This, in turn, will accelerate the progress of AI inside the internet apps and services that you and I use every day. In other words, for computers to get smarter and faster, computers themselves must handle even more of the grunt work. The giants of the internet are building computer systems that can test countless machines learning algorithms on behalf of their engineers. They can cycle through as many possibilities on their own. Better yet, these companies are building AI algorithms that can help build AI algorithms. No joke. Inside Facebook, engineers have designed what they call an automated machine learning engineer, an artificial intelligence system that helps create artificially intelligent system. It's a long way from perfection, but the goal is to create new AI models using as little human grunt work as possible. So Martin, what do you feel about the principle of bots basically building bots? Just just in that sort of term of things, how do you feel about that? Is it weird? To error is human, as they say. And us not having a massive heavy load on making these AIs, I feel like it can uh, make things faster and more easier to use as general day-to-day -day life. So therefore, I feel like it's a much-needed push in technology. Yeah, I agree, Martin. And it's still computers helping humans because basically the computers are doing the dirty work of retrying and retrying and retrying with vast amounts of digital data rather than relying on a human to have to do it himself. And while these expensive researchers are doing that, they can't be doing anything else, putting their minds to better use. So the repetitive nature tasks can be done by computers, helping the research done by the ideas people, the more expensive people, the ones that are costing these companies a lot of money. So it's a good idea. And I agree with what's being said. AI, it's very, very complicated. And what I've seen so far is nowhere near as accurate or as sophisticated as AI is going to need to get to do the things that companies like Facebook are saying. We're a long way off. And things like this, hopefully, will bring that future to us sooner. OK, our next article is Huawei just copied the iPhone down to the last screw. For this article, I would really advise you to go on to Abrupt Audio and check out the article as the photo shown on there really shows the similarity between the two phones. Huawei's new P9 literally looks like the new Apple phone. On this photo, I actually had to make a double take to actually see if it was just, it was just a little bit larger iPhone. Now, I actually have a Huawei phone. I've had it for a while now, and I've been actually quite happy with it. And it's lasted me about three years, I'd say, and it's still going quite well. However, it has annoyed me that Huawei has done this. They used to actually make software for iPhone, if I remember rightly, a few years ago, and now just blatantly copying the phone. It, it shows a lack of engineering. It's like the old saying goes, imitation is the best form of flattery. This isn't the first case where Apple has been copied throughout the years, and it's becoming more and more apparent as the years go by. Ben, I know you're a massive Apple user, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on, upon this. Okay, so before I start, I'd like to clarify um, that Huawei helped make um, the iPods back in the day rather than software for the iPhone. So I just want to clarify that a little bit, not to cause too much confusion. Um, but you know, when, when we say that they copied um, Apple down to the last screw, they really have. The screws are the same pentalope type of screws that are in the iPhone. So they literally couldn't even use a different type of screw for any particular reason. To give them fair, though, uh, the audio ports are more rectangle than round. So we will give them that. So uh, plus points to Huawei on that one. Uh, but on a serious note, Huawei have made some good phones. If any of you watch my tech channel, I reviewed the Next 6P not that long ago, and I rated it as one of the best Android phones that was ever released, and it still is a really, really strong contender. They've recently, in the past year or so, done some really good phones, and I'm pretty sure that this is probably a good phone as well. It has gone down quite well, the P9, but they could have been a bit innovative, and I think this is sometimes where I get a little bit disappointed. 
I know that phones look very similar, and it is difficult to change the design and make things a little bit different. When you put a phone side by side to another one, and it's so unarguably similar, then I really do feel a little bit disappointed for, you know, the, the, the design guys in that company. You know, I know that the iPhone sells really well, it's really recognizable. They probably went for the fact that, you know, it, as it's so recognizable that um, people might spot that phone out of a list of other um, Android phones. And trying to design something after an iPhone isn't a bad thing at all. iPhones, for the longest period of time, have been very beautifully designed devices with, with very, very high standards in terms of design and construction. And it was a long time before Android devices even caught up to the same level of construction that iPhones did for a really long period of time. So it's it's almost the gold standard to go by. But a lot of review websites and, and journals generally do use iPhones as the sort of gold standard to compare a lot of Android phones to. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to see some imagination from some of these companies. It's okay copying Apple. Apple have gone a bit stale recently anyway. They haven't been too inventive. So it'd be the perfect opportunity for companies like Huawei um, to go out there and do something completely different and to change the design around. Like the 6P. The 6P looked completely different to the iPhone and I really, really liked that. They had front-facing speakers. This one, obviously, by the look of the photo, has bottom-facing speakers, which I'm like, why would you do that? It's a downgrade. Front-facing speakers are amazing. Why change that? Something Apple haven't done and I wish they'd been doing for a long time. So really, I just want to see some more creativity because there is stuff you can do. I know phones are hard to, to innovate in terms of design, but it feels like a bit of a step back. Yeah, just to reiterate what you just said, it does feel like a massive step back for Huawei. Like, And as you also said, again, the iPhone haven't really sold as much as they expected this time. And I feel like for someone like Huawei, who a few years ago, um, not many people around in Europe didn't really know the brand and they've sort of uh, branched out. It was a perfect chance to sort of take some Apple consumers and also make a real name for themselves and statement. But now all they're going to be labeled is just a copycat. I have a question for you, podcast listeners. Have you ever gone on a trip with some friends, hiking? gone camping, or the like, and always wanted to bring beer with you. Because let's be honest, beer does make it a bit more interesting. However, there are some dilemmas with this. The weight of carrying it, but then what do you do with it after you've finished? You either have to carry all the crap back with you, or you end up littering the beautiful countryside, which I definitely don't advise you do. Well, there is an answer for this issue. A company called Pat's Backcountry Beverages, and yes, I absolutely love the name, is making a solution to this problem. The setup is dubbed the Portable Beverage Carbonator, and it looks like a futuristic Nalgene bottle. The bottle is about $40, the carbonation packs are $6 for 12, and four pack of beer concentrate is $10. So this isn't particularly cheap at the moment, but these sort of things hopefully come down in price over time. But the way it works is you start by filling up the bottle with water, uh, which you can get from a nearby lake, or you can take bottles of water or whatever with you, which you probably would if you're going hiking anyway. And then you put the syrup from a little flavor packet into the water. You then pump the water from a secret compartment hidden inside the lid into another compartment, the reactor cup, which is filled with packets of citric acid and potassium bicarbonate. And the fizzing begins immediately. You shake the bottle for a couple of minutes, transferring the pressure to the drink, and suddenly you've got a carbonated beverage. It's as simple as that. 
There are some non-alcoholic options as well, including Pat's All Natural Cola, which, once you've added some ice cubes when it's done, it tastes impressively like Coke or Pepsi. Lemon and lime flavor tastes like something between Sprite and the original powdered Gatorade, but it's still nice. Pat's Brew Concentrates are something different altogether. In an overly simplified nutshell, regular beer is typically brewed by adding grain to hot water, adding yeast to the resulting liquid, allowing it to ferment, then carbonating if necessary. During that process, sugar in the wort feeds the yeast, and the yeast creates alcohol. Too high a percentage of alcohol causes these to slow down and eventually stop. To create the beer syrup, Pat uses a proprietary technique it calls nested fermentation, where the brewers continually add sugar to remove the alcohol. It makes for some very happy yeast. Using Pat's method, the brewers add the alcohol back to the mixture at the end of the process. It yields a syrup with close to 50% alcohol by volume, which Pat refers to as a 10 to 1 concentrate. Combine the syrup, water, and carbonate, and the resulting concoction has a similar flavor and percentage of alcohol to normal beer. It's never a change in the brewing that the packets can't legally be called beer, so Pat gets clever and calls it brew. Regardless, there's a ton of potential and it has a much longer shelf life than bottled beer. Brewers could use this idea to create fountain-style beer, similar to the way fountain soda is made from syrup, which saves Coke and Pepsi millions in shipping costs. The work Pat is doing now with 6 to 1 ratios allows them to clone a beer. The curious can watch from an announcement about this at the 2016 Restaurant Association show in Chicago at the end of May. So, Martin, the taste test has gone very well, and a lot of people do really, really like it. And uh, the really interesting thing as well is not just the hiking aspect, it's more the fact that if it can be put into pumps like you get Coke and Pepsi, it would save the brewing industry a hell of a lot of money and be easier on a lot of people. You're not constantly going and changing barrels all the time uh, in, the, in the way that you have to at the moment. Uh, Martin, as you've worked in pubs and things similar, um, do you see this being really, really useful? I don't want to get ahead of myself here and talk about this uh, product, but I will say this. For hikers, it is the perfect brand to buy, and that's because it's green and it's efficient. You know, all I can say is just don't get the dirty water out of the stream. Make sure it's clean. That's all I can say. But, like, I haven't gone hiking with my mum or dad, but I can imagine... Um, having like a crate of beers, how heavy they are, and already you're sort of packed down by like food and also like your pots and pans, you know, that you'll take with you. So therefore, it's really good to take off the weight off you. You said earlier that it seems a bit expensive, but for $6, you get 12. Um, it's not actually that bad when, when you really add it all up. And a lightweight as myself, you know, that would last me forever, it would feel like. However, um, to to the pubs, can I see this being incorporated? Yes and no. Yes, because, like you said, it will save the brewing industry so much money and it could be cheap. But that's also where my other argument would become, would it really be cheap on a massive industry scale? And that's remained to be seen. However, I said to you, I would really like to try this brand to really taste it for myself and to really think, is this something that I could get into? As well as... And will brands like Guinness maybe or Stella or like Foster's, you know, all those different brands, will they get in it? Those are the brands that I feel like might pick this project up. And whoever does first, I can see profit skyrocketing. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of one of those things that becomes a bit of a gimmick and it could be a real gimmick uh, for a company to get hold of and to market the crap out of and make a lot of money in the back. Uh, I do think, you know, there is a scope here for it to be used in pubs and things like that, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I think, you know, if there is money to be saved for the brewing industry, then they normally will do it. A lot of companies would. They'd be silly not to. Uh, anything that will save them money uh, in the long run will probably be a very, very wise investment for someone to get involved with, especially 
especially if the, a lot of pubs already have um, the machines to already do it. If they're already doing Coke, Sprite, all these other things, they've got the machine to already uh, get the syrup and combine it with um, soda water and stuff. So could be a viable thing. Who knows? Let us know what you think. Tweet us at Pixel Podcast. The next article, we'll be diving into some gaming news, and it's the new update on Fallout 4. The new update on Fallout 4 is the 1.5 update, and it is now live on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Most notable among the changes is the addition of Survival Mode. This is the game's hardcore mode, which places a premium on resource management. Items can be harder to find, you deal and take more damage, fast travel is disabled, quick saving and most autosaves are gone, and so on. The 1.5 update also adds support for the upcoming Far Harbor expansion, which is launching on May 19th, and fixes various bugs. Just a very quick rundown on them is the fixed issue with Defender Castle, where speaking to Ronnie Shaw would not properly complete the quest. During the nuclear option, fast traveling away from the Institute immediately after inserting the relay targeting sequence, holotape will no longer block progression. And finally, fixed issue where workshop placed light bulbs would occasionally not light properly. That's only just a few of the many fixes. But what's the new features? As previously stated, the survival difficulty has been added. And it feels like that is what they've mostly focused on. I found Fallout 4 really easy, even on the hardest difficulty, so I can see a massive replay value, and I'll be definitely playing Fallout again and playing it more on a hardcore difficulty. So I feel like this is a much-needed patch for Fallout, as well as the new fixes are very greatly welcomed, as I remember some of these glitches affecting me and my game, and it did slow the game down. Overall, this isn't actually the update I wanted. I really wanted the mod update for the PS4 and Xbox One, which allowed me to bring in mods like the PC got recently. Therefore, I'm okay with this update, but really it should have been something more. And I think survival mode should have come with the mod uh, update in a few weeks to come. Our next article couldn't get more hot off the press. We were about to talk about the Battlefield leak, but the Battlefield stream happened during the recording of this episode. So let's talk about that, shall we? The stream opened with uh, discussions about the Battlefield series and about um, what made the games really good, um, some of the developers' impressions, and it was basically like, let's see how long we can drag this out before showing you anything, and it got pretty infuriating. It took 15 minutes for them to talk about what the new Battlefield was, and this was a Battlefield stream to talk about what the new Battlefield was. Gamers are impatient, I'm impatient, Martin's impatient, everyone's impatient, just show us. Don't talk about, they like teased the hell out of it. They were saying, let's let's talk, let's talk about uh, ba- the new Battlefield. Oh no, wait, before we do that, let's work our way through all the previous Battlefield games 15 minutes later. Anyway, I'm not going to go on a rant about it because that's not what this podcast is about. I could do a rant about it somewhere else at another time. Just tweet me and I'll rant about it to you if, if that's what you're into. Anyway, the new Battlefield is called Battlefield 1. It is base what we can guess around the sort of World War One era, but in a different universe. So there are zeppelins and people on horses and people in uh, medieval stuff. Meanwhile, there are World War II tanks and trenches and boats and stuff. Honestly, it's like, what could we take and throw into one game? And that's what it is. Like, just basically, they went around a room and someone says, I want it to have, like, tanks, and I want it to have these old boats, but I want the uh, fighters to be in uh, medieval wear, you know, and I want them to be swords, I want people on horseback, I want people in trenches fighting, and it's just literally they've thrown that all together. That's how I feel. So I'm a little bit confused 
Um, I wait to see more information. You can check out the trailer, of course, on the um, Abrupt Audio website. Uh, we'll link that in there for you to have a look and give your own opinion. Uh, Martin, how do you feel? Very quickly on the stream, I'll talk about. They showed it twice. That is what I hated the most. They showed it once. I thought, oh, okay. I had no idea what was going on. And I feel like they knew, like, people like us, us two would be like, what just happened in that trailer? So they showed it again. And how I can only see it is they're going to have different game modes, maybe, where they have, like, a World War One trench sort of stuff and maybe, like, a cavalry battle, as we asked. Like, I don't know what's going on. How I feel about the game, I'm not going to buy it. I'm sorry, that trailer really just went, I don't really want to watch, I don't really want to play this game. It's really weird because people on the internet know and game developers should know by now, but that we've wanted a World War One or World War Two game again for a long time. And uh, Call of Duty haven't been given it, so the thought was, oh, Battlefield will do it. And it's kind of like they went, oh yeah, we should do that. But then there was like other ideas and they got so taken away with that, but they're like, oh, but if we don't put World War One or whatever in it, people aren't going to buy it because it's what people really want. It's like the um, executives, the people in the board went, oh, but this is what's going to make us the money, so you shove that in. But then they were like, oh, but we don't want to make a full game about that. We've done that kind of thing before. And they're like, oh, well, just combine them, you know? Well, what's the worst can happen? And that's kind of what's happened. It's almost like you've got creatives and the board like trying to control the game and they've had to meet in the middle um, on some sort of agreement. And this is what it's ended up being. Definitely a Frankenstein's monster here we are definitely witnessing I think it was sell quite well but like I already said I, I wouldn't buy it because it's just a cluster of ideas and the the music as well at one point it just it was just screeching it was it was I was just like what is going on I can't concentrate on the game and what really made me, made me laugh was the very final shot was a guy sort of stood and looking at the Zeppelin, like, coming over, it sort of reminded me of Battlefront, where the, uh, a rebel is stood in front of an AT-80 coming at him. It was pretty much the exact same sort of shot. So, to me, I was like... Oh, and also, back onto Battlefront very quickly, um, there's also, like, biplanes going through, like, a canyon, which was also sort of used in the Battlefront trailer with TIE Fighters and X-Wings going through a canyon. And I was like, is this just all recycled hash now, just with... Oh, it was it frustrated me so much. So there we go. Not positive at the moment. Check out the trailer. I'm open to find out what's more going on, but I will end it on. Why are you calling it Battlefield 1? Why? Just, I don't know. Xbox started it with Xbox One. Please, companies, don't continue this one thing because I hate having to explain what one I mean when I say the game or the console or the item or whatever it is. Rant over. Check out the trailer. That wraps up this week's catch-up topics. The worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Our main topic this week is all to do with phones. And for the longest period of time, a big discussion was going on as to whether, especially in the younger generation, having their phones close to their head and being exposed to the microwaves that the phone gives off could be a big issue in terms of getting brain cancer well, a latest study has just put some people's minds to rest, quite literally. Researchers have long waffled over whether mobile phones cause cancer. The concern persists since more than 90% of people use them, according to a University of Sydney study published this week in the journal Cancer Epidemiology. 
After examining 29 years of mobile phone use in Australia, the research team, quite here says, found no increase in brain cancer incidents compatible with a steep increase in mobile phone use. We can all breathe a sigh of relief, at least until the next report comes out. So this obviously is a really great thing to hear. I mean, I've been using my phone since a very long period of time. My mum always used to say to me, you know, you know, oh, you know, you shouldn't keep your phone by your bed or things like this. Or she'd always have a little bit of concerns because especially for the people who don't really understand technology, they hear these things and they get concerned about that because like, they're like, oh my God, I've got a Wi-Fi router around my house. What's that doing to me? What's all these devices around me doing to me? Uh, what's the phone and things doing to me? But it is sort of a passing thing. And obviously, no one does any drastic changes. Generally, they just continue on with their daily lives. And uh, it has been something that, that's been playing a lot of people's minds, you know, it just over in, in the back of it somewhere. And it's good to know that, uh, you know, that this uh, could well not be an issue. Obviously, this is only one study. But 29 years of mobile usage to look at is a lot. And I mean, you know, for the whole of Australia as well. I think if they'd found anything to inc- say that, that that was a possible cause, then we would know about it in 29 years of mobile phone use. I don't think um, that this, uh, you know, sort of uh, leaves any openness really for another study to really prove them wrong unless they were really flawed in the way. We don't know, obviously, that details in actually how they tested and things like that. But I would suggest that with that much data, you know, 90% also is a big percentage. 90% of people use them. Um, they didn't find any sort of uh, consistency between phone usage and um, and brain cancer and things like that. So that's quite quite a substantial number. So it's really good to hear. Martin, as someone who um, has had like family members um, go through cancer, which is why we're doing the, the, the 24 hour game stream as well, um, do you feel like it's a big relief to you? Absolutely. And also my granddad was one of these people who said, phones cause cancer. And I feel like it's always the older generation who say that. And also my dad says it as well. Um, So yes, for myself and also cancer sufferers and family who've had uh, cancer sufferers in their family, I think it's a massive relief to know that uh, mobile phones do not cause cancer in our brains. So I feel like I can use my phone even more now knowing that I will not get cancer. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, one of those wives' tales that continues on, and uh, there may not be facts really backing up why they're saying it, but some person's heard it off a friend, and then they say it, and then, you know, the other person says it because they've heard it off that friend. It's one of those wives' tales that just continues on. No one really knows why. To continue listening to the podcast, enter any 11-digit prime number after the beep. Beep. Before we dive into this week's versus topic, let's do the results of the two weeks combined versus topic. So, as it was two weeks ago, let's go over what the question was. The question was all to do with adblock and whether it was good or bad. Martin said that they're bad, and I said that they're doing good for the internet. Who was right? So we put out a second poll tweet, which we got a much better response than we did on the original one. So thank you to everyone who voted. If you did vote, give yourself a pat on the back. If you didn't, be ashamed. You're very, very ashamed. I want to say very quickly, we went to London recently. I think it was Covent Garden. There was a... Uh, Apple store there mm. and Ben and I left the podcast on the little uh, phone so hopefully you've got two extra uh, viewers now maybe if you've listened from an Apple store in Covent Garden tweet us at Pixel Podcast and let us know because I really want to know but yeah we, we shamelessly um, listened to a bit of it and one of the iPods or a few of the iPods on, on, on the Apple store subscribed to it using the Apple accounts and then left it playing there for someone to hopefully pick up and go oh this is a good podcast probably not probably someone clicked off immediately but if you did by any chance then you're a legend, my dear, and get in touch on Twitter and let us know because uh, that would be awesome. We'll, 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 we'll thank you in some way. Um, like I said, we've probably had the best turnout on a single poll that we've had yet. The votes have all been one way. There is literally oh it's one It's literally one person has won and that's it. There's no like 100% to zero, basically. So uh, I don't, don't know what it is. Everyone's in unison, I think, I think in terms of that. So uh, we Well, also- they know what they like, so there we go. 
it's always a good thing. And uh, it's, a, it's either that or one of us is always very good each week and one of us is just always very terrible. <laughs> probably. Uh, probably one of the two. So, drum roll please. The winner, getting the extra point, is going to be me. Yeah, I, I thought as much. It was. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone that voted for me. Really appreciate it. Hopefully you can continue voting for me for the next few weeks, but we'll see. That brings the scores to 5-4, if I remember correctly. Yes, it is. As we lead into this week's versus topic. And it's a controversial one this week. We talked about Call of Duty Infinite Warfare in the last podcast. And funny enough, the time of the podcast wasn't that great. We talked about the rumor of it. And then the time the podcast came out, it actually got announced with a trailer and stuff. So let's quickly go over that. The new Call of Duty is called Infinite Warfare. It's based in space. And developers saying, though, the boots of the players will remain firmly on the ground. So we might not see so much exoskeleton boosting that we've seen in previous Call of Duties. But the really big talking about the uh, game release is if you buy the Legacy Edition, you will also get a remastered version of Modern Warfare, which has got far more attention and far more interest in the game itself. And this is where this week's topic resides. Call of Duty's Infinite Warfare debut trailer has been savaged on YouTube, getting more than 370,000 dislikes, which is absolutely incredible. Activision, of course, has responded to this. So with the 370,000 dislikes and growing, the overwhelming negative response has made Infinite Warfare's trailer one of the most disliked videos on YouTube. Many of the complaints from YouTube's commenters center on the futuristic sci-fi bent Infinity Ward is taken with this year's entry. Infinite Warfare features space travel and battles on distant planets, and many viewers have been making unkind comparisons to franchises like Halo and Star Wars, saying they'd prefer a more grounded, realistic Call of Duty. The two more recent Call of Duty games, Black Ops 3 and Advanced Warfare, also have featured futuristic settings, but kept the action on Earth. Another source of negativity is Activision's decision to attach the release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered a made-over version of the original Call of Duty 4 game as a uh, buy for the Legacy Edition, like we talked about earlier, rather than selling it separately. The video has gathered more than 870,000 likes. However, this is nowhere near the dislike ratio. So during an earnings call today, Activision CEO Eric Harishberg was asked about the mass dislikes flooding Call of Duty's YouTube channel. Harrisburg did his best to say positive and brightest in context. Here's his response. And it's quite a long one, so sit comfortably. And here it goes. First of all, you gotta love the passion of the gamers. This is an industry like no other, and a fan base like no other. We love that our fans treat this franchise like their own, and have such a strong point of view about it. There just aren't many entertainment franchises on Earth that can generate a kind of response and passion that Call of Duty can, and that's a good thing. Secondly, of course, we know there are people in our community who are nostalgic for the boots on ground style of gameplay. That's why we made Modern Warfare Remastered. But we also have millions of people in our community who want to have a new, innovative experience in the game each year, and Infant Warfare is going to do that. The good news is this year we found a way to deliver both in one package while keeping our community together. Well, of course, we see the passionate opinions online. We also look at other measurements. And the fact is, while it's very early, pre-orders are off to a very strong start. Views of the reveal trailer are up. And in fact, the number of likes per view on the Infinite World trailer are the highest we've ever seen. We've seen this in the franchise before. The reveal trailer for Black Ops 2, which took the franchise into the future for the first time, had the most dislikes of any reveal trailer we've made in a very long time. And that went on to become our most successful game ever. Right now, the franchise has never been stronger. And we have more people playing Black Ops 3, a game that takes place in the future with boots, jumps, and fictitious weapon than any game in our history. What we know for sure is that if we always just did what worked in the past and never took any creative risks, we wouldn't have a franchise. The day to worry is the day we stop trying new things. 
And I think that's a really, really good speech from the CEO. Obviously, being a CEO, he should have a good speech. Probably has people writing the speeches for him. So he said some really great things. And I think there is a point to be taken here. Some people are nostalgic and they do want the old quality experience. And I'm one of them at times. I, you know, do look forward and get excited to things like Modern Warfare Remastered. It's probably the reason I pre-ordered it. To be honest, it is the core reason I pre-ordered it. That's probably why many people pre-ordered it. So it probably has skewed the pre-order figures for Infinite Warfare. But I will say, you know, Black Ops 3 has done fairly well for itself. It's got a lot of online players, like you said. And Black Ops 2, a lot of people didn't like the sound of it when it came out. But I loved that game and played it a hell of a amount. And a lot of people did. And it did so successfully well, considering the insurity of the community when it first announced. We're I'm open to it. I haven't disliked it, the video. I haven't said any negative things about Infinite Warfare. I'm open to what happens with Infinite Warfare. Um, you know, I'm happy to see it go in space and see what they can do with that. Because, yeah, I'd rather them do that than make a game that is so just boring and plain and bland that uh, it gets boring with playing it, you know, for a few weeks. Because after that nostalgia wears off, what are you left with, really, if there isn't something new and interesting going on? So I'm welcome to what they're doing personally. I know some of the community might not agree, but like you said, that's why you've got Modern Warfare Remastered. How do you feel, Martin? I feel like a lot of games recently have come out with a lot of nostalgia feel. Let's look at Star Wars Battlefront. I have previously mentioned this in the podcast, but I will say this. The game, nostalgia, and the massive hype behind it was tremendous. I think anyone who's ever, anyone who played any of the Star Wars Battlefront uh, on the PS2, Xbox, uh, the original Xbox, PC, what have you, everyone was really geared for this. And once that nostalgia wore off, less people started playing it. Now, I can't see this with the new Call of Duty. Like um, they said, they've had uh, games where they had a a lot of dislikes in recent history, but then it became one of their best grossing games. So therefore, I feel like people are just a little bummed out that it's not a World War II game. And yes, I was one of these. I did want another uh, World War II game, but that just means I'll keep playing Call of Duty World at War. That's it. And I still love that game to bits. I feel like with Call of Duty, what they've done is quite amazing. And I'll put my, I'll tip my hat to them. Let's have a look through quickly the history. I sound like the Battlefield um, trailer. We just watched. Like, let's have a look through our history. So, let, like, up to Call of Duty Three, uh, it was always World War Two. Call of Duty Four came out. It was modern warfare. They sort of boosted up the time scale. And Call of Duty World at War came out. Notice that it was the first time it wasn't something like Call of Duty Five. So that sort of slotted in to the 3 and 4 era, and then it sort of built from there. They've always sort of gone up in timeline. So now that they're going to be in space and stuff, shows they're moving forward as the company is right now. It's sort of like a nice transition um, to say, like, Activision are moving forward with their new creative uh, design, as well as the games are also moving forward in a time scale. I, f- I don't see uh, Call of Duty... Uh, going back to World War Two. Now, what's the next uh, game will be <laughs> World War Two or something? But I think personally, this is a great move, and I feel this negative press will pass over once people realise what a great game this could potentially be. So here we go. This week's versus question. I felt that we've already f- talked about our feelings, so uh, this will make it interesting. Is Call of Duty running out of ideas and deserving the hate that it's getting, or? Is it all just a little bit unnecessary? So as I won, I will, I'd be passing over to Martin when it's been me and things like that to give him a chance, but I'm going to take it for myself this time. I'm going to say they want heads, and if I get heads, I want to say that all the hate is unnecessary. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's the one I wanted. 
but I do have a good argument why. So I'm, I was pretty good either way. Okay, so here we go. Let's ask good old Siri. Heads or tails? Tails. It's tails, so I lost. Meaning that I get that um, Call of Duty is running out of ideas, and Martin, you get that it is all unnecessary. Very, very interesting. I was really geared to get the other one, so now I'm sort of thinking, oh God, now I've got to think of things. Um, I really didn't think I was going to get It's getting old. So, quick change of plan. Okay, Martin, are you ready? Uh, yes, ready as I'll ever be. Okay, you have 30 seconds on the clock, starting in three, two, one, go. The hate is unnecessary. As Activision and Treyarch, they all uh, collaborated, as well as the Sledgehammer games, it's always been fresh with new developers. And like I said, the timeline has always been advancing, like the Call of Duty series has begun. Ben also said it would also be a bit ludicrous that um, the new gen is about innovating, exploring, pushing boundaries, and to have a game that steps back would make absolutely zero sense to me and gamers around. Time's up. Well done, you really timed that pretty damn well. I'm honestly, I'm honestly bricking it. Really am. So, Ben, here we go. In three, two, one. The biggest thing that Call of Duty have to help move them forward is their community. Their community is amazing. It's ingest and talk about what they feel. Why didn't listen to the community and do what they want? The community's been talking about this for a bloody long time. And as it's been getting more advanced warfare and more exosuits, do this and that, the game has been getting more and more away from the core franchise that really, really sold it originally. Getting too complicated. So much things going on that you can die so quickly because there's so much going on that you can't keep up with. The game's got too fast paced. It's got too far ahead of itself. It needs to take a step back, go back to what really succeeded it from the beginning and move okay. forward. Well, just a split second, but a good argument, I, I will admit. Um, I don't know where I got that from. It just came to me and I just... Whew. It was quite funny because like when I went three, two, like a light bulb sort of pinged into Bre uh, Ben. I just saw it and that was it. He was off. Yeah. So very good argument. So it's up to you guys now to decide who gave the best argument. I think we all did really strong arguments. Either of us win, I think both either of us would have deserved to get that. I think we really did quite well. So the poll will be available right now. Unless I forgot to put it up, then check in a day's time. But it should be right now on the Pixel Podcast Twitter, at Pixel Podcast. And if the executive producer remembers as well, it should be on the Abrupt Audio website, abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. That's P-I-X-3-L. And like I said, on Twitter as well. Vote for who you think won. Was it Team Martin or was it Team Ben? Vote now. Please do so. The more of you vote, the more interesting it gets. And of course, Martin, you obviously need the vote to catch up with me now. Look. Here I say, even if you think Ben did do the better argument, just think, Martin really appreciate this one vote. That's all I need, one vote, and I, and I will be very grateful. Uh, please don't be dishonest. You know, if I was better, just vote for me, okay? A computer lets you make more mistakes faster than any invention in human history, with the possible exceptions of handguns and tequila. And with that, we wrap up this week's Pixel Podcast. Can't believe it's already been episode 14. Don't forget you can read more about the articles that we talked about this week on the Abrupt Audio website. That's abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. Don't forget to vote on Versus. That's on our Twitter, twitter.com forward slash pixel podcast. And of course, you can check us out in our usual ways to listen to the podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and the podcast app for iOS. And you can check us out on Stitcher as well. Finally, not to forget our live stream, which we're raising money for Cancer Research UK and the British Lung Foundation, which is happening on the 14th of May, starting at 4 p.m. BST. You can check out more information regarding that on bit.ly forward slash blf24hr2016. Please do so and get involved. We look forward to seeing you. We'll be doing a live episode of the podcast during the stream as well. With that, thank you, Martin, for joining me this week. Thank you very much, Ben. And we will see you guys at the same place, same channel next week. Goodbye. 
Goodbye. You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Right. Battlefield, though, Jesus. I'm so, like, as a content creator, that lighting, though, that lighting and those camera shots. That's the thing when, like, you do video creation as a course or, like, when you do audio creation and things like this. Like, when I hear things that have bad audio or bad video or something... It's just like so blatant. For most people, though, they won't have noticed, or they might even go, oh, that was quite good, actually, professional. But for us, it's just like, what the hell are these people doing? Like, are they out of their minds? It's the same as these YouTubers. Mm. They're but- like, they're like, you know, they've bought a DSLR and they think because they bought a DSLR, like, their videos are amazing. And it's just like, no. I think um, I'll put it back to the. Uh- the stream we watched. I just loved those two awkward guys in the corner. That was the best. That was uh, that stream couldn't literally have been more awkward if they tried. Like they talked about their old games for fifteen minutes, like we really cared. And then the CEO came on, and they stood to the side, staring creepily towards him in the corner of every shot. Uh, also, the bit was like, "Are you going to show us the game?" I'm not, but I'm going to have the honor to introduce a guy who's going to introduce the game. <laughs> it's like, why were you there? Just go away and show us the trailer, for God's sake. And that guy, I, can we see that again? Do you guys want to see it again? No, we don't. We've seen it once. Let's just see some gameplay. Yeah, because if they showed the trailer, the stream would have been, hello, here's a, here's a trailer. Good night. What's going on in the world? I'm going to have to say for once, I, I don't ever really say this, Call of Duty did it right. They released the trailer, and then later on in that day, they then did the live stream where they had the devs on, and they talked about what they'd just seen, and that was it. Yeah. And that was fine. That and was... that only took half an hour and they talked about the game, like the actual new game, and you learned more information that you didn't learn from the trailer. Why is that so difficult? All they did was backpedal. And that's probably why it's called uh, Battlefield 1, because they backpedaled. <laughs> that's good, good. That's a good one. Okay, that's enough. Rant over. Good night. If you still listen to this, then I love you guys that listen to the end. You're amazing. Vote Martin. Don't do that. Just I love you only if you don't vote Martin. Um, that's how it works. Cool. And if you're still listening at this point, Tweet at Pixel Podcast. I'm still listening. There we go.